a feasting day keeps the doctors away. And this is the dirt dirt. So there's nothing wrong with my dick. In fact, I think it got bigger. <laughs> what do you mean, bro? Have you been eating string? No, I'm not <laughs> As we all know, that is the proven and ancient ritual to make your dick bigger. <laughs> the ancient to eat, eat, not string string, but like plastic string. No, you ate all like string, dude. a floss or something you would make a friendship bracelet out of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just came know. from an unused bead kit you got for your eighth what? birthday. <laughs> so what? So why do you think? Do you change your diet? Have you been? Have you been um, kegling? I don't know. I haven't even been touching it. I looked down and I was like, what the fuck? Is there something wrong? And, and you know, I played with it a little bit to make sure it was still alive. Just whack, whack. Yeah. <laughs> wait, you, wait, Play meat time. smash. Play time. Meat smash. <laughs> wait, you looked at it and thought, it's bigger, it must be dead? Well, I looked at it and was like, oh my God, maybe there's something wrong because it looked bigger. Like you know? something stung it, like yeah, a bug like or a, a bug jellyfish. Or like maybe I got spider bit on my cock. Yeah. Laid some eggs in the head. My theory. Why would you say that? <laughs> Perhaps since you haven't been touching it. You know, when you're really tired, you slouch over and you look shorter. Maybe it's just like getting some rest. Yeah. <laughs> Standing up it's straight. Finally, yeah, it's finally it's rested. Like, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I can stretch my back. I haven't slept like that in 20 years. (laughs) All right. Maybe. (laughs) Like a tit when a girl's laying down. It's just like all bulbousy shit. (laughs) It's just relaxed. Like a waterbed. I would love a pair of relaxed titties. (laughs) Just laying next to me. Yeah. I mean. Or on my face. That's the American dream, right? Yeah. Bologna sandwiches, Coors Light, and beautiful tired breasts. (laughs) Please let that be on your tombstone. Beautiful, <laughs> tired breasts. Get out of your fucking mind. Okay, so you're digging bigger. Yeah. Congrats, dude. No, thank you. Congrats. I hope it lasts. Just let it I'll rest. Like- Don't be flapping that thing in the wind all day. How much bigger is it? Well, it's not like... I think he's being plump. It's just got... I mean, it, I just... Normally, I'm carrying around a, you know, a baby's thumb. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That just sounded funny. Okay, I have to be real with you. I did get a text from my girlfriend this week who listens to our podcast saying, Is Tron's dick small? Why? I never talk about it like that. You do. You do. There have been so many references to your tiny dick on this podcast that a person... It's coming out. This is like the OJ trial. Wait, 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 wait. wait. So I have a a confession. Whoa. Whoa. Are you ready for my confession? And these are my confessions. Uh, No. These are my confessions. When I was training in comedy, I had a professor that said, when you stand up on stage and talk about how big your dick is... People may laugh, but they feel uncomfortable. But if you get on stage and tell them how small your dick is, they're actually laughing. Oh. And so now it's just stuck with me. And so whenever a dick joke comes out, I have to reference it being small. Yeah, that's it's what your I was clown taught. training. Yeah, yeah clown it's training. the clown training. That sounds like, wh- if that if that is the case, that sounds like whoever gave you that advice has got some deep-seated personal issues. Maybe, but I I get way harder laughs when I talk about small dicks than I do when I talk about big dicks. <laughs> yeah, dude, because the truth See? is funnier. Um, For Chloe's beautiful girlfriend, um, I have an average dick. So, if yeah, that helps I'm, your, your curiosity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, listener question. <laughs> Listener question: How big is Tronthy's dick? It's average. Yeah, doing okay. Did you ever measure six, it when you were younger? Six inches soft. It's paying the rent. Six inches soft. It is not six inches soft. <laughs>
mine is only six and a half. An important distinction: six and a half inches hard. <laughs> Soft, it is um, like a button you would find in a friendship bracelet. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I once had a girl say to me, "It's crazy how small your dick looks when it's soft, but when you're hard, it's like a normal ass dick." I was like, "Yeah, it sucks." Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what it's like being a grower. And yeah. not a shower. Yeah, but who cares? It's I easier to carry that way. I was in the pool. What? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's easier to carry that way. That's true. It is, well, not always, because if I'm tucking, it would be better for it to be longer, like right, as yeah, long as it's hard, just like Get some Jazz Jennings on the TLC Smash Trans hit, I Am Jazz, has a teeny weeny weeny little dick because she's been on hormones since she was like five. Holy shit. And she ha- didn't have enough skin. Five? To create her new vagina. So they had to like stretch it out and do like experimental medical procedures to like blow up her scrotum and stretch her dick. So it could be a vagina. So sometimes it's better to have a big dick. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. There we go. Lesson learned. (laughs) That's one to grow on. (laughs) One to grow on, one to show on. There was a time there when I was younger, I thought to myself, oh God, this is never going to get the job done. But it, it gets the job done. A lot of it is shape, I've found. Oh. My mom said to me one time, hey, you better learn how to isolate your hips. She was referencing dancing, but ever since I took that to heart, man, I can have sex. It's not a- about the size of the oar, it's the emotion of the ocean. <laughs> I have a border- That's what I thought your mom was saying to you. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought too. I have a borderline uh, molestation story about that. <laughs> I really hurt my back when I was in uh, sixth grade. They have these huge balls, right? <laughs> these giant balls. Like, for playtime? That sounds so horrible. Jesus! Like, how do you describe it? There's this giant backyard pit area yeah. at the school. Uh-huh. So they blow up this huge human size. I don't know, like acrobat ball, and we'd all just throw it at each other. And one time I rode over it and slammed it right down the other end. I, I blew a disc in my back. So I, my mom took me to physical therapy, and there, he's asking me, the dude is there, and he's asking me to gyrate my hips so I can like click my back and goes, come on. And I can't like do it. And he's like, oh, come on, man. I'm in sixth grade. He's like, come on, dude. Come on, dude. Like, do it right. Like, just do it. Eh, he's going to learn eventually, right? And like, helps me fucking, like, puts his hands on me and is like, making me do the thrust motion and being like, don't worry, man. When you're 20, you're going to be doing this all the time. And I was like, holy fucking shit. This is like, I'm in a situation right now. <laughs> like, I'm in, I'm, yeah. like, I'm, and so I was like, yeah, man, I'm good. And I like got off the table. I was like, I'm, I'm, I think I'm just going to stretch. And like, we went to a different place. I like my Thank mom. Thank God me you knew to say, yeah, man, I'm good. Yeah. I was like, like yo, st- this is something is going foul play here. And I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I went, I'm going to Catholic school. So I see this all the time. So I, was like, <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're doing. I go to Catholic school. Just because you don't got the collar on, buddy. Don't make it uh, it's obvious. Let's see that URL. Let's see that URL. <laughs> For our younger listeners, I think our 11 and unders, just know, if you're getting into a dirt, dirt situation, uh, just say, hey, I'm getting out of here. One time, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I was at my friend's house, like, back when I lived in New Jersey, so I had to be, like, six or seven, honestly. And I went to my friend's house, and I remember he was, like, he was, like, a bad kid, 
kind of. He was like kind of the scary kid in first grade, but I always attract to that type. So I went over to his house and everything was cool. We were playing Mario, you know, Mario 3, the Egyptian level. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And because I didn't have video games, so I was like, Bassy in that sweet, sweet. I was in that spot too. So anybody who had video games, even if you just had it, you were infinitely cooler. Yeah, because we didn't get it. Hey, Sandbag, get in this van with no windows. I've got video games. Sweet. You got Mario? No, (laughs) you don't even need. I don't even care. I just want to see the system. Let's go. Parents, parents. I know we just talked to our under 11s, but let's talk to our over 11s. uh, Yeah, our over 11s. (laughs) You're 11 and listening to this. Don't fucking tell your parents. Please don't. Please don't. We'll get in trouble. Yeah, seriously. Mom. Don't fuck this up. Mom, Chloe Sandbag and Trough taught me something new this week. What was it? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Sorry. Didn't know you needed someone to play the mom, too. (laughs) I'm still playing the female characters. I know. I'm always like mom's bitchy co-workers. Angry wives. I always. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. you're You're at Derek's. Yeah. God, it feels like his name was like Derek or Steven Derek or something Stone. like that. Yeah. <laughs> or like uh, Greg or like Jeremy. Yeah. He says, I think we're in the middle of playing with, you remember the big Batman playset that yeah. had like the spinning and all that, Love shit? that shit? Yeah, the Batcave and it had spinning doors and it had fucking like the Batmobile and it was all neon and shit. It was dope. So we were playing with that and he goes, hey, hey, you want to see my dad's gun? Like in fucking Sixth Sense? Yeah, straight Whoa. up, like, Holy the shit. thing you, I have been told since I was, like, yeah. three years old, if someone says, do you want to see my dad's gun? Throw that shit in reverse. You have to go. And yeah. I went, I have to go to the bathroom. Nice. And I left, <laughs> and I went to Jeff's dad, the one who had the gun, and went, I have to go home. I, I just, like, I want to go home. And he was like, okay. And he like called my mom and he was like, you know, Chloe wants to come home early. And my mom was like, okay. And she asked me like, why Why did you not want to be there anymore? And I went, you know, that thing where I could have gotten shot by a gun and been like a tragic 90s little kid statistic. Yeah. Didn't happen. Did it happen? <laughs> Good job, parents. Yeah. <laughs> High five. Yeah. So for over 11s, also teach your kids. This leave is like a very good PSA when, episode. Yeah, I yeah, would have said yes. Very true. Yeah, you would have said yes. Yeah. I well, was a yes kid. <laughs> <laughs> it's so like remarkable that you're so well adjusted because a yes kid gets fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was like a fear. Of getting in trouble was always. Oh, yeah, that actually saved me too. It it wasn't so much the like, oh, I'm doing the right thing. It was like, fuck, if I don't do this, I'm gonna get spanked. I'm not gonna get food. It's like when the White Ranger came to my friend's birthday party and was gonna teach us some karate. You had the I wasn't allowed to watch Power Rangers because it was too violent. So I definitely couldn't get like taught karate by the White Ranger. And I went into the kitchen to the kid's mom and went, I don't think I'm allowed to do this. I was so afraid of that's, my parents. That's hilarious. But sometimes I guess that fear is good. I don't like this but it's revelation. Because I've been yeah. very angry about this for a long time and I don't want to be wrong. It's a good bad thing because as good as it is that it 
protected us the f- the full weight of it is still reaping its havoc on the rest of how we think about ourselves it gave me anxiety for sure yeah there's so. an adventurousness that's lost in being careful yeah and so i think this i mean even this podcast is our venture into just like let's just free ball and be brave and be ourselves and do that let and nuts hang. Get, let the nuts hang yeah takashi 69 it i've been treating myself a little better sleeping being lazier, I've been watching movies and TV, like yeah. trying to like, okay, pump the brakes on killing myself and maybe just enjoy a TV program. The Assassination of Gianni Versace. Classic. Really great shit. Well, fuck all that self-care shit okay. because right. here God comes the screaming black no. hole of fetid no. flesh. No. 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 The dirt. My baloney has a first name. It's Trent. It's Trent. <laughs> it's Trent. Trent. I love Trent the Baloney. Trent man. the Baloney Man. <laughs> I'm Trent the Baloney Man. What's up, guys? It's me, Trent. <laughs> He's doing you skateboard don't need, trips. You don't need sauce. You just need me in your hand. Yeah, dry baloney, motherfuckers. Yeah. Trent. <laughs> Trent. <laughs> This week's sponsored by Trent's Baloney. Come on, yeah, Daddy, Trent's Baloney. Do you like me? We like it dry. Why are we always under doing commercials? <laughs> because when no one will sponsor us yet. But we're just showing that we can. Uh, come on, Audible. Get your fucking shit together, you pussies. <laughs> cool. Well, we're never going to get an Audible sponsorship now because we just called them pussies. We don't need it. Oh, my God. We're next, Oscar Mired. Next thing we're going to be calling Squarespace a bunch of faggots. <laughs> can we please get That's Oscar so Mired t-shirts for our first That's video? Oh my god. Everyone's turned off the podcast because they're mad at us. Now we can get to the dirt. Yeah. Now yeah. now the normals are gone. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Hey, to guys. What's up? So we just uh, separated the wheat from the chaff because this week it's getting heavy spagooty. What is that? Yeah. So Chloe has kept us in the dark this week, which is, I, I, I don't know if she's done before. I kept it in the dark for myself this week. This was like 10 p.m. last night being like, oh, this is a great episode for the podcast. Cool. I have a lot of time. I'm terrified. I wasn't even re- I just thought about it this morning that you hadn't brought it up. And so I haven't yeah. even put my seatbelt on. Well, don't worry. I don't think children die. Okay. Oh, that's, that's nice. I mean, that mm. gives me a fraction Thanks. of a comfort. Well, no under 11s are dying this week. I'll Good. say that much. Shout out, shout out. Shout out, shout out. I don't like that. I don't like that. Our underage crowd <laughs> that we hopefully don't have. But post us on 4chan if you do. This week, we are talking about the Blackburn Cult. Whoa. Also known as the Divine Order of the Royal Arms of the Great Eleven, which is why it has a nickname. Yeah, I got Yeah, I figured that. That's a long ass Harry Potter title. (laughs) That's not the only title it ever had, but that's definitely the one they settled on. But they had about 20 other combinations of those eight words. (laughs) (laughs) The Blackburn cult was founded by a mother-daughter team, May Otis Blackburn and Ruth Wyland, in 1922 in the Bunker Hill neighborhood of Los Angeles. May was a 60-year-old clairvoyant who had a long string of ex-husbands and wealthy lovers when our story starts. Whoa. 
She was first married to John Wyland, who was Ruth's father, and he faked his own death and ran off to California, sending her a message that he had been shot and killed in a dispute over some mines. All right, see ya. (laughs) She was back in South Dakota, pregnant with Ruth. And so when Ruth was born, May put her in the care of her mother and stepfather, and for years, Ruth was raised to believe that May was actually her older sister. And even when the lie was revealed, she continued to call May by her first name and often referred to them as being sisters when people asked. May, free of her child, traveled around the country, collecting the sort of infatuated rich men who would bankroll the rest of her and her daughter's life somehow. They always had money. But eventually, after May had made her rounds and got dudes who just, like, sent her money in hopes that one day they could leave their horrible rich wives and be with this, like, young hot... She moved to Portland, Oregon, and moved Ruth, her mom, Jenny, and her stepdad, Walter, in with her. Road trip! Road and trip. we're moving! Yeah. We're going to Portland! Yeah, Portland. Money in the mail! Money in the mail! Money in the mail! <laughs> That's all, Okay, so this is like uh, Swiss Family Robinson, or whatever. It's yeah, like, it's like a vagrant family. Yeah, it's like Beverly well, Hillbillies. They've just been, they've just been like, cashing in on losers. Sex. Yeah, she's yeah. basically just seducing Good. weak rich men yeah, she's playing and the game. saying like, oh, she's I'll marry you one day. Leave your yeah. wife. Leave your wife. Not yet. Not yet. I need money for this thing. Yeah, that guy's a bitch. She's playing the game. Yeah. Yeah. Good for her. Honestly, on one level, the story of the Blackburn cult is a story of female empowerment. It's oh, also yeah. a story of like murder. That's what so. I'm a little hesitant on. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, sweet. Get your get your shit, bad bitch. Like, yeah. Get your Versace. Get your Bacardi, all that stuff. Bacardi rum? Yeah, all the little fancy, all the good shit. But I'm a little worried about, yeah, the murder part. Yeah. That part. And the cult part, that's that part. that's always, that, that part always gets Death. me a little scary. Rampart. Grandpa. Yeah. Grandpa. <laughs> Ruth, May's daughter, was a born entertainer. In 1909, at the age of 11, she performed as a ballerina in Portland's French Fete. And by 1917, when she was 19 years old, she was known as one of the prettiest young ladies in Portland. Yes, sweet. I'm one of the prettiest girls in Portland. I love to whisper truth. I dance the ballet, the fetchette. What was it called? The French Fet. The French Fet. And I'm the prettiest girl in Portland. Holy shit. I felt like I was in some fucking song on the wind or whatever it's called. If that could set the time, think like the ballroom scene in The Shining. You know what I mean? It's like... Old-timey, whiny. Yeah. There's dust on everything. Exactly. People need dental care bad. Because Ruth had such a reputation in town, it was no surprise when she was cast as the lead in Portland's first ever motion picture. What? Portland's doing pictures? Yeah. It was the advent of film and Portland wanted in on it. Mm -hmm. And this film was a comedy drama called A Nugget in the Rough. Oh, I'm in. Wow. Okay, I hate how much I'm enjoying this story of the olden time. It's going to take a turn. The plot of A Nugget in the Rough was as follows. A Nugget in the Rough opens with scenes of a rude mining camp in the West, in which dance halls, saloon, and gambling tables figure prominently. 
Then the scene switches to Oregon City, where a salmon fishing episode is staged, and Bob, the civil engineer hero, becomes much more interested in the uncouth girl of the mining camp. Oh, dang. Our titular nugget in the rough. Yeah, okay. The girl's father is then killed in a gambling hall brawl, no! and the girl is sent to the city to live with relatives. I don't want to, but I have to. There, she is a drudge, ignored and spurned by the social climbers comprising the household. However, there comes a sudden change when the girl becomes an heiress. I don't want to eat bologna anymore! Then she is petted and pampered and a much sought-after young lady. However, she and Bob our civil engineer hero, are destined for each other, and the concluding footage shows the culmination of the courtship. Okay, so he, like, gets her out of Auntie's house. Yeah. Got it. And now, this movie, ooh, Portland was excited about yeah, it. Yeah, it sounds like Portland a Portland was buzzing. Yeah, it's coal mine, it's all, everything Portland, it's the hottest girl in town, it's the nugget of the north. We're yeah. ready to go. This is, like, Portland's favorite children making its first movie. And this was a place that had tried to get, like, New York and Hollywood filmmakers to come to Portland and make a film industry there. But they had totally failed to do that. But the Starlight Film Company that produced A Nugget in the Rough, the cinematic classic, was a local film company, Portland, born and bred. And it was operated by none other than May Otis Blackburn. Oh, no. Oh, no. This woman had money coming out of her eyeballs. Hollywood and cult shit. So she was, like, writing to her lovers, like, you know, I'd love to make a film, and maybe then I'll marry you after you leave your wife. And they're like, here you go, here you go. And she was like, okay, I'm going to make my daughter into a fucking star. That's insane. So she is, like, independently producing vanity projects for her own daughter. That lady's a... Wow. Unfortunately, although A Nugget in the Rough was a big what? hit in Portland... Oh, but they made it. They finished yes, the movie. Okay. It was a huge hit in Portland. It ran for a whole week at the movie theater. Wow. A whole week, a week. at the movie theater. A week. It had, however, made little splash outside of Portland. No. A Nugget in the Rough didn't even reach Hollywood. No. No one was listening. Oh, the Nugget shit. was a little rough. <laughs> <laughs> but undeterred, May and Ruth decided that if Hollywood wouldn't come to them, they would come to Hollywood. And so in 1918, the mother-daughter pair moved to Los Angeles. Cigarettes everywhere. There's puke in the streets. Everyone's fucking coming on the store. The store is fucking the store. Get out of the store. Let's fuck. Somewhere in Los Angeles, someone is getting fucked with a lit cigar. The prettiest girl in Portland anymore. That's exactly how I feel about Los Angeles. Yeah, so um, that's we're gonna write that musical. I think sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) Overwhelming. Yeah, overwhelming. (laughs) Um, Ruth did land some extra work. She was a pretty girl. People wanted to put her in the pictures, but she had trouble gaining traction as a leading lady in the old Hollywood film machine. So, to make money, she began working as both a taxi dancer and an oriental dancer. Taxi dancers uh, were women who were paid by the dance by men in taxi dance halls, which was also mostly front for, like, you know, 
lesbian a sex worker. Yeah, taxi, yeah. dance hall. Well, would, the most transient fucking place in the world. That sounds like the men would come and they would buy dance tickets and then they would give them to the girls who would then dance with them what for tenses? one song. Hey, it's 1903. You want to give me a rim job? Sweet. <laughs> but first, Here's let's dance. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, that sounds depressing as fuck. Do you want some money? Yeah, God, things used to be so much fucking simpler. Ruth didn't really love being a taxi dancer, but she did love being an oriental dancer, who were basically like exotic dancers, sexy dancers, a little bit of a burlesque dancer, perhaps, who claimed to be doing the Middle Eastern art of belly dancing, which was mostly just like white people's idea of what belly dancing was. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, you were there to look at like. The midriff. Bellies. Bellies, Yeah, yeah, I'm there to look at the belly. I'm not there to be like, well, actually, I don't think that's actually how they do it. Ruth, at the end of the day, was a dancer who just wanted to dance and perform. And Oriental Dancing gave her a chance to do that, even though it was more on a one-on-one basis. You can dance if you want to. You're going to leave your friends behind. Get on my lap. I'll give you some cash and you can lick my behind. Lick my behind. (laughs) (laughs) Ruth also started hustling like her mother, seducing rich men, often married rich men, and convincing them to give her loans for various projects that she never paid back. Man, they're just racking up a tab. Holy shit. So these ladies are fucking grifting their way through Los Angeles. Just killing it. Somebody's going to get fucking pissed. Remember the beginning when I said that Ruth was a clairvoyant? Yeah, I meant to ask more about that, but I just kind of let it slide. They're not just vagrant dancing grifters with a taste for rich men. These ladies also heard voices. According to who? (laughs) According to May. According to them, we heard some fucking crazy shit. May said that she had been hearing voices from back when she was a child. She had a spiritual dove and a mental voice that had followed her around everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, fuck. Like a mystery bird that follows you around? (laughs) How did this bird get from Oregon? Now I'm going to, every bird I see at work is now going to be that bird for me. I'm like, oh shit. There's my spirit dove. <laughs> Fuck. That's a pigeon, was, dog. I, I thought I was your spirit dove. You'll always be my spirit dove. Let's not say that on the fucking podcast, okay? Don't talk about that. It's bedtime. Ruth inherited these abilities from May and insisted that she had always heard strange voices reciting poetry or singing songs to her. You're the prettiest girl in Oregon. <laughs> Now you're going to L.A. When you get there, you're not going to be fair. Stop it! Stop <laughs> it! It will never stop. It's like every day the musical of my life screams in my mind. You're going to end up killing people and hiding them with your mom. No, please, no! Your mom's oh, sister. Oh, cool, really? Wait, what? That's... Okay. What's so I'm name? not going to be a taxi dancer forever? No, you're going to be an oriental dancer. Well, that's my favorite dancer. Do it. Show me, show me some more scandal. <laughs> I don't like this. Pull, I don't like that the ghost. Pull is, your belly out. No, no. I don't like sexy ghosts. I don't like. I don't like. The only ghosts ghost. I have are sexy. Wow, in Los Angeles in the 1920s, and really the world in the 1920s, but particularly Los Angeles, everyone was obsessed with spiritualism and new religious movements, also known as. 
cults. Yeah. It was said that just like, you know, New York has traffic or Chicago has sausages, Los Angeles has cults. This is what it was known for. Just like Chicago has sausages, Los Angeles has cults. Deep dish sacrifices. (laughs) They're very much on the same page. Deep dish dish sacrifices a great band title. (laughs) (laughs) Please welcome to the stage Deep Dish Sacrifice. (laughs) 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 And why was this? Why were the 1920s so obsessed with ghosts and talking to dead people? It was because science Science was on the rise. Whereas people used to explain how the world worked through religion, now science was disproving everything that people had believed for ever, really. And World War One just happened. Oh, no. And, like, I think it's easy to forget because bigger, more terrible wars have happened since then, or at least more in recent memory. But World War One was, like, Fucked up. No, that was sad. It was like the first like trench warfare. People were getting diseases. People were getting bombed. People were getting fucked up by tanks. Tanks. We were sending people overseas in boats that would take weeks to get there. Ugh, that's insane. America was shook in the 1920s. Yeah, we're shaking. To put it in the parlance of the under 11s. (laughs) They don't know about WW1. And everyone was clamoring for this, like, sense of meaning from something outside of traditional religion, which had clearly failed them. And so now, Los Angeles is primed for two charismatic women who are already con artists and very successful at conning people and getting money and, like, just kind of living off the weak-minded. If these two women said they had visions of angels, they could start a cult of apocalyptic proportions. And that's what Ruth and May are yeah, gonna do when we get back. Alright, wow. I can't wait to come in something and have some kids. What? All the best toys are out right now, and I can't. It's weird for me to go to the toy store, but if I had oh a kid, dear fucking I could God, get that dude, kid get all the toys he wants, and then I could play with him. Is it weird that when I go to the Target, every time I weave my way through the toy aisle, just kind of seeing if there's anything I want? No, I'm mean, I I still chip. looking yeah. like this. <laughs> I still, I still want to get Legos. Like I love Legos. Legos. Oh yeah, sweet. Legos are dope. I did you guys ever do like the Gundam models? No, no, that was, that was way, way too elaborate. Dude. I had a friend who did the cat version of that, or the oh, the Zoids. Yeah, the Zoids. Dude, really I Zoid did those too. The ones that like moved. They and were shit. dope as fuck. Yeah. watching him try to build it, he'd like, like rage quit doing yeah. it. I loved that shit because I loved Legos as a kid, and then it turned into Gundams and Zoids. And now I'm doing fucking Warhammer. Yeah. And that's, this Very is the point where I rage quit and go, I can't make it look like I want. Yeah, because it's so specifically painted. <laughs> Warhammer like, is fucking difficult. hard. The closest I got to that was Bionicles. Oh, I loved that Bionicles. Was like, that was Lego, fun. Lego senior. Yeah, they were dope. Guys. And you could throw the discs into it. Yeah. 
They can mix you, and match their weapons and their masks. Play, did you play with figurines? Like, did you buy, like, soldiers or, like, snake play skin? We'd get, like, a mixed bag of toys. Like, I'd get, like, Dragon Ball Z shit, Bionicles, yeah. whatever, and we'd mix them into our own stories. Like, yeah. it wouldn't strictly be, we're playing ARMY. It would be, like, the rise of Digimon versus Bionicle Jr. Like, yeah, I'd like the Millennium Falcon was, like, fighting a bunch of Gundams, and I would make little, like, uh stop motion animated movies mm-hmm. with all my action figures and shit and it was just like Star Wars, Teenage Mutant <laughs> Ninja so Turtles, fucking Zoids, <laughs> fucking Gundams, all that shit and I would just all day because I didn't have any friends on Saturdays I would just sit there with my video camera like and I would play like Lincoln Park in the background, but since I couldn't pause it fast enough between the things, it would just be this weird, warped, glitchy version of like a Lincoln Park song yeah. Yeah. behind like stop motion animation of like a Gundam slicing a Lego's head off. I thought that was a Lincoln Park song. Boop. <laughs> <laughs> Wake me up. <laughs> That's evidence. Man, that was God, that opened up a gate in me. I think we should do like a childhood toys episode at one we point. Sh- oh god, can we do that? Show and tell. What's up, Chantel? When we left off, we were talking about Ruth and May, and they were about to start a motherfucking cult. Mother got a cult. Oh yeah, mother, mother got a cult. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I say like mother daughter, it just sounds like porn. It just sounds like porn. Mother got a cult. Mother got a cult. Mother got a cult. Excuse me, stepmother daughter. Stepmother got a cult. It's not weird, guys. Fuck, that made me puke in my nose. According to Ruth, she first heard the angel Gabriel as she walked along Broadway. <laughs> And he cried out, Ruth! And then he was silent again. What's up, Ruth? What up, bitch? <laughs> yeah, how do we know it wasn't just like a dude across the street who was like, what up? I mean, she was a taxi dancer. The yeah. Dirty Dans of town knew who she was. <laughs> dirty Dans around town. Dirty Dans around town, 1920. Three days after Ruth heard the angel Gabriel on Broadway, he came down again. Into the room at 355 South Grand Avenue that she shared with May. And the angel came upon them and said, I am Gabriel, and you two are the witnesses that God has chosen to announce the end of the world. Fuck. That's a lot. That's a lot of responsibility. How does one announce the world's ending? The book of Revelation prophesied... And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days, clothed in sackcloth. We shall prophesy. These are the two olive trees and the two scandals. <laughs> These are the two and the scandals. Here's the olive tree and the scandals. Come in, these scandals, girls. Come in, these scandals. And I'll give you olives in your sackcloth. The Gabriel speaking. Ruth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. 
And if any man shall hurt him, he must in this manner be killed. Jesus Christ. These have the power to shut heaven, and that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have powers over waters to turn them into blood, and to smite the earth with all pains as often as they will. I really hope that's what he fucking sounded like. Yo, dude, you need a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, Gabriel, you are angry. Oh, sorry, guys, I'm a little hangry. He <laughs> just Snickers, bro. So Gabriel told Ruth and May that they were the two prophets spoken of in Revelation and were to sequester themselves from the world and write a book called The Great Sixth Seal, which would be dictated by the angel explaining the mysteries of life and health, heaven and earth. Wow. In return for writing down the angel's dictation, he would give them the lost measurements of Solomon which would lead them to all the hidden gold and oil deposits in the world. Okay, all right. So, yeah, we just... Okay, you did not just weenus me while I'm trying to sign up. I'm just trying to tell the goddamn story. And this man is over here weenusing me. He's like grabbing the wheel of the truck and go, we're going to the goddamn river. That's hilarious. I haven't seen that in like 90 years, bro. The angel Gabriel told Ruth and May that the world... Okay, let's pause. Yeah, I'm gonna sorry. do a deep fucking mysticism warning. Whoa. Most the of the is- teachings and revelations of May Otis Blackburn are just incomprehensible esoteric bullshit. Okay, good. good, good. What's good. esoteric lo- mean? Uh, dealing with, like, secret knowledge. Oh, I like that you're prefacing that. Because sometimes I get lost in the fog of, like, where the line is drawn. And kind of where you're at sometimes, because like sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, there Gabriel was there and he sounded like he was a spitting Guillermo del Toro demon. (laughs) And that's what happened. I pictured him as Gabriel Iglesias the entire time. (laughs) Oh, hello, it's me, Gabriel Iglesias. And I'm here to reveal the revelations of God. (laughs) Oh, man, that's funny. So that being said, that warning being said, here's... One of the more accessible ideas postulated by Ruth and May, and mostly May. And their connection with the afterness. Yeah, uh, the universe reality and uh, how God fits into it. Swag. Okay. The questions we're all asking. Yeah. Yeah. Ruth! <laughs> what up? What up? Nothing. <laughs> the angel Gabriel told May and Ruth that the world breathes in and out through a fourth dimension, and as it does so, it swallows up old versions of reality and replaces it with new versions. The shifting gear, or pump, that regulated the fourth dimension's cyclical cleansing was called the Tree of Life. When the Tree of Life was functioning properly... Man lived forever because the universe replaced his aging body with a new body at regular intervals. Okay, so they they were taken DMT. <laughs> like blatantly. Something's that sounds in ex- the water in old LA. But, and I wish it was back. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, seriously. Dude. Need Put it. lean in the water, lean in the water. <laughs> <laughs> There's lean in the water. There's lean in the water. <laughs> 
Oh man, I thought I understood the fabric of reality and how God worked, but there's just lean in the water. I'm just having chug lean every morning. There's lean in my milk. There's lean in my orange juice. There's lean in the lunches. Man, I can't wait till Travis Scott is president. Oh, thank God. Yeah, it's lit. So anyway, um, the tree of life got all fucked up when Adam and Eve ate from it. And it threw a wrench in fucking everything. The universe is a seamless garment. Basically, a lot of the ideas of this cult come from the principle of as above, so below. Basically, like, everything is equal. And if one thing happens, there is an equal reaction. It's the basis of sympathetic magic, which is you do a symbolic metaphorical ritual in order to influence the universe to do what you want it to do. It's the idea of voodoo dolls, even. You poke the doll with a pin, and it doesn't directly connect to them, but because symbolically you're hurting that person, the universe then is... Not necessarily compelled, but definitely influenced to hurt that person. Can you do nice things to voodoo dolls? Yeah. Really? Yeah, of course you can. Voodoo is a really cool religion that gets a really bad rap because of, like, racism and shit. But you can do good things. It's not always evil. But you can also do evil things. And this is the power of magic with a CK. If you have a voodoo doll of the Tronfy out there, please jerk me off. We should make those for the dirt turf. Yeah, we should. Little Tronfy voodoo dolls with little dicks. Yeah. No, (laughs) average dicks. Oh, yeah, Yeah. average dicks. Average little voodoo doll dicks. Normal, you're a man. Average dicks. Chloe's girlfriend, my dick's average. Stop telling <laughs> people so it's small. Know. No, you're Stop really... telling people it's small, please. She's not telling anyone it's small. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> She's just asking me questions. She's inquiring. He's going to be really beaten up about that all the I'm sorry. Well, sorry. That's what you're putting out into the world, bro. Stop telling girls you have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so this is all to say... The idea of the universe is a seamless garment is if one thing happens to one thing, it happens to the entire universe. And so when Adam and Eve fell, the entire universe fell. And then the pump that operated the tree of life caused (laughs) havoc and broke, sucking in the new and pumping out the old instead of doing the vice. (laughs) Shit. I, I, okay, I'm going to try to say that again. Little bump. (laughs) Little bump. Okay. Uh, so I just. <laughs> so yeah, you're high. So fucking high. <laughs> okay. What was in that joint? When Adam and Eve fell, the entire universe <laughs> fell with them. And so the tree of life also broke and it started sucking in the new and pumping out the old uh-huh. instead of renewing the universe like it had been. And so basically, instead of renewing mankind's bodies with younger bodies and having them live forever, the tree of life was now laying on layers of death and old age onto the world. And that's why people die. Yeah. What, what What is that? Uh, I'm just sorry. I'm just trying to figure out why I'm so fucking trashed right now. <laughs> and I go to pick up the case that the, the Chloe brought a joint over today. I go to pick up the case that it's supposed to be in. And this thing weighs like it's, carry, it's like a gun case. No wonder I'm so fucking loaded. This is like... Six pounds. <laughs> this is like this is like high level security protection. I got that for free. Alien private reserve. Premium oh call. no! Yeah, we just got 
eviscerated. That's an indica. Yeah, that's oh, what's happening. No. That's why I'm like, fuck, why am I at Wally World and 7-Eleven? Oh my god, dirtbags, I hope I can salvage this episode with an edit this week. Sloppy but if not, toppy we, everywhere. We, I am sorry. I'm drooling on everyone. Fu- it's fun. Woo! <laughs> I'm still having this time of a salamander's life. Like, I'm killing it right now, scales and all. So... Although the tree of life was now killing us all slowly, mankind would soon have an opportunity to make things right by reversing the tree's cycle through sympathetic magic and rituals. And at that point, mankind would live forever again and the universe would be healed. There was a lot of apocalyptic prophesying in the 20s. I think there was one lady who said that the world was definitely going to end in 1925. And what May did was said, yeah, it is going to end on that date. But the world ending means that the world is being renewed. And so if it's that date and everything's the same and it doesn't seem like the world has ended, I wasn't wrong. It's just born again. Okay, so, like, even if you do make it past this day, the world still ended, you just made the cut. Yeah. That's insane. She just took every crazy person and made them look crazy and her like a god. Yeah. Yeah. Justified, like, like, every feeling. Which, I mean, in a super dimensional, spacey, theoretical, whatever way, she could be right. So once humanity was set right by this giant apocalyptic with a lot of question marks event, <laughs> uh, a, that really clarified everything. <laughs> a royal family of the Chosen Eleven would be established. The Chosen Eleven was a spiritual family consisting <clears throat> of Ruth, May, and nine other women, all of whom who would reign over this earth as queens. Queen. Marble palaces would be erected for each on Olive Hill in Los Angeles, which is now Barnesdale Art Park in Hollywood. Nice. And the queens would all be granted a hoard of gold and precious stones. Oh, wow. Stones. Uh, The angel Gabriel would also then designate a harem of 11 kings for every queen. Whoa. Yeah, so these ladies yeah, have 11, 11 husbands. Yeah, 11 dicks of Yeah, bro. Nice. Yeah, bro. <laughs> great. 11 <laughs> average dicks. <laughs> After the chosen 11 ascended, at that point, a white messiah would appear. Hello, I am the white messiah. Hi. Oh, Here's God. my resume. <laughs> and I'd like to know where I can get my shoes on. Oh, you're the worst messiah. I hate the white messiah. I don't know if that was necessarily like a racial white messiah, but seeing as we will later hear that this cult had like one black person in it and that was about it, pretty sure it was a racial thing. Ah, bummer. Well, it's the 1920s, unfortunately. Yeah, that's true. Everyone was racist, so it's okay. (laughs) The white messiah would not descend from heaven, but they would be a divine being transfigured from one of the men who were married to one of the great 11. So one of the kings of the great 11, um, what did I even, yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's like watching the captain of the Titanic fall asleep at the wheel. What the fuck were we talking about? I'm like, yo, that's our job. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, give me that. Give me that script. It's been like three weeks since I've had to like be the host of this podcast (laughs) proper. Oh my God. (laughs) Podcast Um, proper? All of this, the great 11, the white messiah, 
the world renewing itself. There could be no new world until <coughs> the Great Six Seal was finished. Yeah, Their book that they keep saying like, we're writing a book. We need some more time. Hey, can I see some pages from your book? Yeah, and like, as, yes, ASAP. It's gonna polish sure. it. Yeah, it's, it's gonna, gonna give it another draft. You know, outside. They you. literally couldn't finish their book. Yeah, and so they keep just saying like, "Hey, writing's guys, hard, guys. We need more money to publish the book. You know, we're still working on it." Cash me outside. But as they wrote their book, what well, there's air quotes around that, they just started collecting members. Some of the notable followers of May and Ruth included the Rhodes family, William, a wealthy carpenter, his wife, Martha, and their 16-year-old adopted daughter, Willa, who moved to Los Angeles after meeting May and Ruth in Portland. May took a particular interest in Willa and bestowed upon her one of the highest titles in the cult. She became a high priestess known as the Tree of Life the symbolic link between God and man who would one day be queen alongside May and Ruth themselves. So this is the third queen in the Eleven now, is Willa. The Rhodes family was no stranger to weird cult shit because even before they ran away to Los Angeles to join the Blackburn cult, there had been some unsettling rumors about them because they were devout Christian scientists in Klamath County, Oregon, where that wasn't so cool. One of the rumors was that William and Martha had a son who died at nine years old, and instead of giving him a traditional church burial, the Rhodes buried him in the front yard, and late at night, neighbors reported seeing Martha and William performing some sort of ritual oh, over the grave. The front yard, guys? Yeah, like, do it in the back. Yeah, oh my god. Like, who said you had to bury it in the front yard, just god? probably just in the soil, is You're my guess. You're making shit up anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck are you guys... Or, unless they wanted people to see that and then build that kind of hype. Christian science... I actually met someone who's a Christian scientist once at, like, a gifted kids <laughs> camp, so I was like, what? Yeah. They are a sect of Christianity who doesn't believe in, like, medicine or science or like taking people to the doctor instead yeah, the they surround the person in a prayer circle and pray and hope they get better and all the time in the news there are like stories about christian science children a lot of the time or people dying because they refused to go to the hospital and instead said my god said that if i was meant to live I would live. No, Man, that, that no reminds, thanks. That reminds me of a weird story. Where I live, it's like a huge Amish population. Oh, and cool. uh, they used to work for us all the time at the at the auction building. And one time, one of them got hurt, and the dad didn't want them to go in the host in the ambulance. They're like, "No, oh, we'll take him yeah. by buggy." I'm like, that, "That kid's gonna bleed out." So we had to convince the dad to, to put the Amish kid in the in the ambulance, and then you know, crazy. well, because if weird. you are like living your life by those principles. You can't just like one day decide, you know, God will make an exception this time. You have to be like, yep, my kid's dying, but I have to take him in the horse and buggy because if I put them in the ambulance, then my entire belief system just starts to fall the fuck apart and I will leave the Amish community and that's where all my family and friends are. And so, nope, sorry. Mm. Sorry, Tim. You're dying <laughs> for Tim. my comfort, honestly. Yeah, pediatricians have to deal with kids of those Amish families who refuse medication for infection. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. And that's game over. That's game over with, like, a month. Like, if you don't treat this, this is what will happen. And all you got to do is take, like, these pills or get this shot. 
and they'll just go, no. No, we're good. And they, they'll die right there. So this is that sort of situation. Okay. The Rhodes family are already on some wackadoo yeah. Christian science trip. So honestly, the Blackburn cult is not that It's crazy. a tame for Yeah, them. it's like, oh, you guys go to the doctor and shit. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> like, because what we used to do. One of our kids died. There was also a rumor, in addition to the dead kid in the front yard, <laughs> that the Rhodes family themselves had started a cult at one point before they moved to Los Angeles. Uh, it was a faith healing sect, and there were even a few instances, like we were saying, where sick children supposedly died because they were brought to Martha instead yeah. of to a hospital. Oh, God. And she's just like... Oh, gotta, gotta just lie. I gotta, <laughs> gotta just keep lying to everyone <laughs> and myself. I think when you're this deep, though, yeah, you're you're in a different state of, of perception of yourself. Yeah. Like, she probably does think all these things are true. When, at one point, she made the decision for them to be. It's just very strange. Yeah, but if we're going by the principles of magic, making the decision... Is almost like making it reality. That's it's like enough. the secret is based off this shit. That's is the that decision. if you like, Ooh, you can manifest things by insisting on them in your own mind. Martha had claimed uh, to be able to heal humans and animals through the application of thought waves. T H O T waves. <laughs> oh my god! Bust it down, Tatiana. <laughs> Martha even listed her occupation in the 1920 census as Christian science practitioner. Okay. And she had ran a full-time practice. So this was for real yeah. and actually true. This was not just rumors. She's open about it. She claimed to have raised the dead on at oh. least five occasions. Okay, that's a little that's a little excessive compared to the normal prayer circle situation. Well, the founder of Christian Science, Mary Eddie Baker had also claimed to have raised the dead. Yeah. So this was a part of Christian science theology. Martha said she even raised herself from the dead once. What? 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 And so when they buried that kid in the front yard, clearly the rituals they were doing were resurrection rituals. So put him in the dirt, rise him out of the dirt. Like we do every, every week. week. Yeah. God, we're champions of sin. When you get back to the dirt, we'll raise you. You'll come out of your grave. And wipe off your face, and you will be new on the dirt. The dirt. Spooky. Yeah, that was the evil. Now, remember when I said there was one black person in the cult? Oh, yeah. Well, his name was David Thompson. What up, Dave? And he was big and muscular, and he had long, flowing hair, and he was rumored to be a voodoo priest. Whoa. He met May while she was on a trip to New Orleans, supposedly to research voodoo principles to integrate into the Blackburn cult theology. Wow. New Orleans is sinking, and I don't want to <laughs> swim. <laughs> David Thompson took a shine to May, thought she probably had some good ideas, and moved back to Los Angeles with her. That's fucking and, crazy. Yeah, he was her bodyguard really and her off. driver, and he always wow. had a gun on his hip. Damn. And I'm just like, who made up this awesome Tarantino character? Yeah, that's, <laughs> like yeah. this guy straight up says he's in Pulp Fiction because he believes in her. He's like a fucking awesome warrior of Christ. <laughs> oh, I wish people would say that about me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he's gonna get into some trouble. 
Yeah. There was also a man named Chester W. Burpo who shares a last Burpo. name with uh, the kid that wrote God's Not Dead or Heaven is for Real. Todd Burpo. Chester was a con artist and a part-time faith healer who assisted May with the parlor tricks that she would occasionally use to convince her followers that she was in league with the supernatural, which included flashes of light, Voices appearing from nowhere, doors that shut themselves, and the unexplained disappearance of items. There was also Ruth's 17-year-old boyfriend, Sammy Rizzio. Uh, Yeah, she was 24, he was 17, and they started dating. The Rizzio family themselves had a troubled history. Before the family moved to Los Angeles, Sammy's father, Angelo, had become embroiled with the Chicago chapter of the pre-mafia Black Hand Italian Crime Syndicate. Why'd they have to move? Angelo was wanted by the Chicago police for a triple homicide. So these were some dirty dance. Sammy knew about Ruth's religious beliefs uh, when he began to date her, but he was willing to play along because she was hot and she was older and he was 17. He just wanted to nut. And eventually, on May 24th, 1924, Sammy and Ruth were married. He was 18. Oh, wow. But Sammy never really converted to the faith of the Blackburn cult and remained staunch in his Catholicism like a good Italian wow. boy. Good for him. Hell yeah. yeah. In 1924, Ruth wasn't the only one getting married. May also got married. She got married to a 25-year-old, so they like him young. young. This Wee. guy was named Ward Blackburn, and he was the son of May's stepfather, Walter Blackburn. Okay. Getting a little inner circle here. Yeah, so she married her 25-year-old stepbrother, who was a former Portland bellboy and a total weirdo who fashioned himself as an oriental mystic with slicked back hair, a Fu Manchu, and five-inch long fingernails. Oh, gross. All right. Definitely smoked opium. This is him. (laughs) All right. This is Ward. Uh, He looks like a total fucking creep. Love it. Uh, He also would wear the same clothes for days on end, usually a brown, loose-fitting, smelly suit. Ugh, it sounds like my life, yeah. <laughs> this relationship between May and Ward wasn't exactly a physical relationship. I doubt it. You barely touch his hands. Uh, your fucking whole hand, a big old scratch on your leg the rest of the day. May had a phobia of being touched that prevented anyone other than Ruth from coming into physical contact with her. So Ward couldn't even touch her. But that was fine with him because he wasn't even really attracted to her anyway. Because like every weeaboo stepbrother, he liked his women much, much younger. Very, very gross. He was a child molester. Oh, great. Sick. Which would usually be an issue in any relationship. But May herself was well known to have a fascination with younger female cult members. Like Willa. Oh, man. There it goes. Right with the left turn. What the fuck is that? Well, she has a phobia of being touched, so I can imagine maybe she suffered some sexual abuse herself in her youth, and she's just completing the cycle of abuse. Not to excuse it, but it's almost definitely what happened. Dark. May was said to have once approached a young mother and daughter at a store and asked the mother to give her the daughter. (laughs) 
She promised to dress this beautiful little girl like an angel. The horrified woman, obviously, refused. Uh, I'm good, lady. I'm just <laughs> getting my hot dogs for 4th of July weekend. Please get the fuck away from it's my kids. It's just so beautiful. No, no, thank give you. Give me your daughter. Give me your daughter. Yeah, give me your daughter, please. Get out of here. <laughs> away oh, with sorry. you. Can you pass the French's mustard? Give me your daughter. In another incident, May's car stopped in front of a Simi Valley house where a child was playing in the front yard. Oh, shit. Dave Thompson, her bodyguard, got out of the car <gasps> and moved toward the child, but a neighbor with a gun ran him off before he could do anything. Whoa, that's heavy. That's crazy. Yep. So, cult members were known by mystic titles or concords like King Gale of the Four Winds. The Queen of Scales, or the trees that take in the seven concords of vegetation. Okay. Yeah. Denoting their harmonious relationship to the universe. They really love their fucking titles, too. Oh my god, they Dude, loved Christ. words. Yeah. Well, May and Ruth thought that words had magic properties, because that's one of the things in sympathetic magic, yeah. okay. is the words you use, or the stuff you do influences your entire life like she wouldn't let people in the cult eat apples mm. because that was the fruit of the tree oh. that adam and eve tree ate yeah, yeah i feel like may could lift up her right leg and rip a fat juicy fart and go well that is gonna give life to all the butterflies in the world so. suck it up Pooville. <laughs> everyone huff it <laughs> <laughs> May herself was known as the North Star or the Heel of God, Ooh. or more commonly to the other cult members, Mother. Ruth yeah. was both known as the Grand Royal of the Water of the Father's Blood. Oh, Jesus. Or Fuck later, God. as she ascended to queendom, the Royal Warder of the Purple Robes. <laughs> I like that one. Now, up until now, uh, most of May and Ruth's followers were blue-collar people desperate for something to believe in, other than, like, the Rhodes, who were pretty rich. But, honestly, no one was really rolling in it. Yeah. And so, they needed <coughs> someone rich to join their cult. And that's when they met Clifford Dabney, the nephew of a local oil magnate named Joseph Dabney, and also a rich man with a deep spiritual yearning and a seemingly endless supply of cash. He was introduced to Ruth and May by an old woman occultist whose name is Lost Time. Uh, but she was acquainted with Clifford and after May and Ruth moved their cult into a large home only blocks away from his... They were introduced. When Clifford heard what May had to say, it blew his mind. What? No way, lady. You serious? <laughs> I just gotta huff your farts? I just gotta yeah. huff your farts and I can and you'll pay you to huff your farts and all my life dreams come true. We connect with spiritals. Yeah. And babe. Uh, PayPal. Okay. PayPal coming your way. PayPal coming your way. Clifford and his wife Alice were both just total fucking occult people. Weird. They were fascinated with this shit. And Nuts. so when they heard what May was like throwing at him. They were like, cool, we're joining the cult. Here's five thousand oh, dollars. Wow. Go publish that book. That's crazy. Let's get the yeah, now they want to get this thing in Barnes and Noble. Yeah. Because in return for the money that Clifford gave May and Ruth, they promised to reveal the secrets of the book, in particular the lost measurements of Solomon, which would lead him to untold riches three months before it was distributed to the public. Got it. So he would get all that shit in exchange for bankrolling their cult. Holy shit. What a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he was an oil man. He was used to gambling and he had a lot of money. And so now all 
May and Ruth needed to do was finish the book and learn the measurements. Yeah, Jesus Christ, guys, hit a deadline. Six inches soft. But this is when That's things start to get truly wild and woolly for the Blackburn cult. <laughs> Which we'll hear about when we come back from this break, because I've literally had to piss my pants for about 20 minutes. <laughs> On Hot. the, the dirt. We'll be right back! I chew tobacco, I swallow all day. My stomach kinda hurts, but that's really okay. I have two bags of little chips, gonna eat them all day. Can't wait to open these little bags of chips. Oh, the Guy Fieri sunglasses are out, we're all too fucking high. We're too late, Chloe fucked us with some indica shit. Now we're falling, free falling into hell. But I'm Guy Fieri and my dick is huge and I got a casserole for you. Welcome back to the Dirt Dirt. Here's my casserole. A little tip out there to the under 11s. Um, always check your joint tubes before you bring them to a podcast recording because they might be a no. nuclear indica that just lays all your friends and you out for the next three or so hours. She said lays. Which is fine. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. Lays. We're talking about the Blackburn cult. When we last left off, things were going well. They just got a rich member. The book that's totally coming it's totally coming we're just like putting that those finishing touches on it is just getting bankrolled in perpetuity by the people who are like we've spent enough time here that it would be really embarrassing if we left now yeah this needs to work otherwise everyone's just gonna know we're fucking idiots a little tip to the under 11s if you think you're in a cult you're in a cult yeah go with your gut if you're in a naughty situation you're in a naughty situation yeah i think actually that is the lesson of today if your gut says this is bad leave it's right you don't have to your mind and your heart they're wrong if it makes you feel like you're gonna throw up find a door get out out of here Yeah. yeah 18-year-old Sammy Rizzio was raised in a traditional household and had ideas that one day he would be the man of the house. He would be a respected and uncontested breadwinner who worked hard all day and came home to a loving wife and children. Instead, Sammy was married to a queen of the great 11 who was treated with reverence by all those around her while he was just kind of treated like a nothing boy because he was a peon with no power and an unwelcome Catholic living in a cult house. 
The people around him would do his wife's bidding, but they wouldn't do anything he said. And he wow. just felt totally emasculated. Bummer, dude. But yeah. like, whatever, you know, it's 1917. It's also not your cult, dude. It's definitely a female cult. So. Yeah, it's 1920s, you know, it's women can vote. Women can have their own cults. What yeah. are you doing, man? You're just keeping us in the past. Also, yeah, you're just wa- walking around because they got a better plan. Yeah, like, dude. Chilled. Maybe you should have started a cult, little yeah, bitch. Dipshit, why don't you become a used car salesman? <laughs> yeah, but what if what he's asking them to do is like, can you please pass the salt? <laughs> and they're just <laughs> like, no! Sammy, just fuck you, Sammy. You widow boy. The people who hear voices are now going, did you hear that? Do you hear something? Oh, did you hear that? I feel like I heard a voice from the great beyond. It sounded like a whiny little bitch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably exactly what they were doing. <laughs> just being total fucking cunts just to Sammy. So 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 that's hilarious though i'd be the one doing that that's so funny dude i would get in on that like lady time group thing just just, like men are trash it's just gang up (laughs) attitude yeah that's exactly what it was oh it's hilarious chugging wine and cackling away (laughs) yeah he sits in the kitty chair (laughs) (laughs) sammy was totally unwilling to participate in the rituals of the great 11 so he wasn't just a catholic he wasn't even playing along anymore and he didn't like that Ruth kept in contact with her wealthy suitors from before they were married. But how else are you going to get money, Sammy? You want to get a job, bro? No, your wife has an OnlyFans. That's just how you make her money. That's how you make her money. Thoughty life. Yeah. Thoughty Thought wave. Thought wave. Yeah. So Sammy, insanely jealous, threatened to kidnap Ruth if she did not voluntarily leave the Great Eleven. I imagine this guy, though, because he keeps being described as, like, a young boy of 18, as just, like, 5'1", like, I'm gonna get ya, I'm gonna get ya, and Ruth is, like, six feet tall, just like, I'm good, Sammy, I don't think you could take me anywhere, you can't even take me to Red Lobster, I take you to Red Lobster. Yeah, that's a big date, that's a good date, don't knock the lob. In July of 1924, so not really that long after they got married, Sammy and Ruth were having a huge drag out fight and Sammy hit Ruth in the side of the head. Not the queen. Not the queen. Yeah. You should definitely never hit your girlfriend or your wife, but you should also never hit your girlfriend or wife who's literally a queen of earth appointed by God. Yeah, big bummer. Don't be an idiot. Yeah, what are you thinking, dog? You're so fucked. You dead? He's so fucked. I feel like he's beyond fucked, though. I feel like he's not a normal level of fucked right now. Well, according to Ruth, after Sammy hit her, he dashed off in a fit of anger, and she hadn't seen him since. Whoa. Okay, he ran away. Yeah, he ran away. Oh, he, oh, he ran away with or the that, big quotes. Or that driver ran away with him the away. big quotes. <laughs> Cooked him and ate him, boiled him in a stew, sacrificed him to fucking Zanzu the Satan elf. I don't fucking, I don't mean to add another elf to Did our someone say No, not another elf. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to summon you, dog. Hello, little boys, what I, would you like? I'm Zanzu the no, Satan elf, sorry. and I make your dreams die true. That's my, that's my bad. We, I, I was just ranting, I didn't mean to summon you. It's, uh, but welcome. I, get, I made welcome. his dick bigger. Oh, that was you? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Welcome. You should thank Sansu. What do you want? Nothing. I'm actually pretty sad. I'm, I'm doing some self-help. Uh, some jizz. Yeah. By the way, doing the secret. your dick's bigger, but it has cancer now. Zazu! Zazu! You rascal. You fucking rascal. All right, see you, dude. Bye. The police came around looking for Sammy. Where's Sammy? Show me where your husband is. 
Well, Ruth said that Sammy, you know, he ran away and he left a note saying he was guilty about hitting her and he was leaving nope. on a self-imposed exile to <laughs> meditate and become a better man. Yeah, doubt it. She said he had taken his suitcase, some clothes and $20 and she hadn't heard from him since. What's all this blood, though? <laughs> it's from, oh, we sacrificed chickens. We're in a cult. Oh, yeah. copy, copy. Yeah, copy, yeah, copy, yeah. Copy. Not human blood. Code for. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we would God, never I'll do forget. that. <laughs> Not like those Satanists over there. Woo! <laughs> get them. Get the Satanists. Yeah. Have a good day, Once again, <laughs> the watchful eye of the law is off us. <laughs> now, police discovered that uh, Ruth had bought poison, rat poison, oh. around the time that Sammy disappeared. Okay. Maybe they had a rodent issue. Well, they didn't have a rodent issue, oh. but Ruth did have an excuse for it. Okay. So she said... That the poison had been purchased for a ritual that would rid her husband of that pesky Catholicism. May said that Sammy had the weight of 10 priests on his shoulders. And until it was removed, he wouldn't be able to accept the teachings. Here's the explanation for the ritual. Sammy dressed in ceremonial robes. Sand was sprinkled on the ground. Poison was sprinkled on top of that sand. And Sammy performed a whirling dervish dance on top of that poison sand, chanting, I am a dead priest. I am a dead priest. What the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? That's what she's saying. Yeah. As the excuse for having it. That's why I have the poison. Uh, the police totally fucking bought it. Okay, all right. But even though the police bought it, Sammy's family was not so convinced that their weird in-laws weren't up to something. I'm also not convinced. I'm with them. Sammy's brother, Frank, wanted to investigate. He actually managed to convince May to give him a job driving for her. And then he Whoa. spent his free time snooping around Holy trying shit. to collect clues about his brother's Undercover? disappearance. Wow. Yeah. Undercover That's brother. Awesome. You know what Frank found? What? He found the suitcase and the clothes that Sam oh, had supposedly fuck. taken. Wow, fuck. And Frank went to May and went, oh, what the fuck is this? And May just said, well, maybe Sammy's coming back. And that's all he got from it. Because, But they are also like, we bring people back from the dead. Yeah. So Whoa. the idea is that, well, yeah, Sammy's not dead forever. He's going to come back when we finish our book. Whoa, blaming it on the book. Again. The thing about Whoa. this family is their dad is like a wanted fugitive. Yeah. Like they can't just go to the fucking cops and make a stink because then the cops are going to start to look into Sammy who then yeah. starts to look into everyone else and they realize that Alonso's on the goddamn run. On New Year's Day in 1925, even more tragedy struck oh. the Blackburn cult. And this time, it was someone they actually cared about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. On Christmas Day in 1924, Willa, our teen queen, developed a toothache that then turned into an ulcerated tooth, which subsequently became infected and gave her diphtheria. Oh. And you know, Martha, the Christian scientist, isn't taking Willa to the fucking doctor. No. She's just saying... Hey, May, can you pray over my daughter until her horrifically infected tooth gets better? That sucks. Oh, that's such a horrible way to go out, too. On New Year's Day, it seemed as if Willa was getting better. She got out of bed. She was hanging out with the cult. And maybe, maybe just maybe, May had healed her. Yeah, everyone's watching The Grinch, passing around the sweet potatoes, cult stuff. But that night, 
What? No. She went to bed. No. And her condition worsened. No, but her tummy was full of the Christmas ham. And she said goodbye to her parents. You can't. Forgave a cult member that she had had an argument with earlier in the day. Wow, what a saint. And died. Uh, now this was like... Bad yeah. times. That's, this is like the blow. third queen. They are super fucking sad about yeah, it. They're shook. And also spiritually, this puts them in crisis yeah, because someone what, who's kind of a key member of the cult, who's probably getting molested, is now dead. What do you believe in now? Yeah, there's a huge part of your architecture that's just completely gone. Not only are you losing like a young member of your community, it's like they're part of your business plan. <laughs> So all, everything, the lie is now broken in your face. Well, luckily, the Blackburn cult always has a fucking loophole oh, built in. Jesus Christ. Resurrection. Give up, guys. Give it up. What are you guys doing? So right after Willa died, May filled a bathtub with ice and salt and spices, supposedly to make a magic concoction of ice to preserve Willa's body. Oh, fuck off. Uh, no. Oh, no. She. No, May, did you know that salt um, melts ice? <laughs> Duh. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was fucking dumb, man. All right. Well, that was that. That's <laughs> what we're going to bump that on. That doesn't make any sense at no, all. Those foolish <laughs> witches. <laughs> You're fucking right. Well, regardless, May put Willa in that bath of ice and declared that the tree would spring back to life in 1,260 days. Oh, sick. Just, oh, my God. Can't use that bathtub for a while. Now, that's the amount of time that they are on Earth to prophesy. And they've already done a lot of that. Yeah. So they're pretty much just saying, like, Buying time. book's not done yet. It's going to take the whole time again. Wow. After Willow was in the bath, she was then moved into her bedroom uh, with her body still on giant blocks of ice. What the fuck? Her seven pet puppies were killed and put in a coffin next to her in the room. That's fucking... And May had fresh flowers brought in every day. So she was surrounded by all the stuff she loved. Oh, yeah, super fucking cute. Now, this was not a cult that stayed in one place for very long. So over the next year, the cult moved around from house to house, bringing the preserved corpse of what? Willa along with What are you them. talking about? What U-Haul's gonna pull <laughs> fucking six beds and a corpse? They kept her on ice, and since she was so well-preserved, they would transport her in the back of the car sitting up. One person who said he saw this Whoa. said that she was completely indistinguishable from someone who was alive because she had been kept on ice around the clock. That's so heavy. And probably because it was melting all the time, it took 600 pounds of ice every week to keep Willa preserved. If I was that grocery store or whoever's supplying them that ice, I'd be like, what the fuck? are these people doing are they open up an ice cream shop we we have a lot of we got, have parties we parties ice we party? parties they probably were like we make ice sculptures well make this was a time ice of sculptures. ice boxes no one had fucking refrigerators oh you had true. To buy ice. Yeah. yeah yeah so it wasn't that weird to buy a fuck ton of ice they but just I had mean, a lot of perishables it, it had to have been above and beyond the clock well yeah because they were preserving a full 16-year-old girl. Can you imagine? I just had a picture in my head of that. Like, they moved to a new house. And then the mom from Home Alone, because they forgot Willow's body, goes, Willow! <laughs> <laughs> She's back in the old house, just like, Willow! End of movie. Finally, 
After this year of nomadic movement, the Rhodes family finally settled down in a small white bungalow in Venice. And they buried Willa once and for all under the floorboards of their bedroom. Oh, man. William built a specially made copper and cedar casket for his daughter where they could keep her on ice and buried her under a trap door in the bedroom floor. So, for example, they could visit her. Or get away quickly if someone came to find the body underneath their floorboards. Jesus Christ. And next to Willa, they put the casket full of seven dead puppies that represented the seven tones of the angel Gabriel's trumpet that would herald the resurrection. So once you hear those puppies barking, you know that Willa's alive. Oh my God, everyone's back. Into the basement, Willa's back. And she's brought (laughs) gifts from hell. (laughs) (laughs) so now with willa laid to rest underneath the floorboards may and ruth got back to their writing back to basics here we go chapter one new draft and they promised when they were finished with the book willa would rise from the dead and the world would be renewed we got this sister what happens after that Do they get caught? Does that world end? Yeah, I don't know. That's such a cliffhanger. That got really fucking crazy at the end. This one's a two-parter. Whoa. So you're going to have to wait till next week to find out what happens to those wacky gals and their (laughs) cult. I love that. I can't wait to see what happens. I'm very excited. Okay, dirtbags. I'm giving you homework. First of all, I need you to email the dirt dirt. The Dirt Dirt Podcast at gmail.com. Please fill up our inboxes with your hot, hot stories and <laughs> other things. I know there's someone out there listening, and I want an email. I want someone to say, hey, Trump. Also, comma, I want you to send a letter home. Send a letter to somebody. Write out a letter. Sit at a desk, take your pen out or your pencil, and write a letter and send it to somebody. Anybody. I want to shut down the post office this week. We should all do it and see who we yeah. send it to. Hey, send a letter to us. Email yeah, me us. and, uh, no, I'm not going to give you my address. No, yeah. email will work. Yeah. Just email the, the people who listen to this? No. <laughs> Uh, those great, awesome, totally not scary or creepy people at all can also follow us on Instagram at the Dirt Dirt. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and SoundCloud and iTunes. Also SoundCloud and iTunes. Also iTunes and SoundCloud. Also SoundTunes and iCloud. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're just being weird now. (laughs) (laughs) It's time to sail off the iCloud into the night and we'll see you next week on The Turn away from the light and enter the dirt. Please. It's so lonely in this podcast.